Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, and computer science academics. We highlight people with a passion for educating our youth in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. Welcome to the BDPA iRadio show. I'm Jayla Cruz. Tonight is Tuesday, January 12, 2016, and our guests are Tramel Turner, Senior Manager, IT Solutions for Nintendo, Carol Heiberger, MBA, Founder, CEO, and Author of Execute. Dictionary. And finally, Andreas Robinson, Senior Developer, and our co-hosts include Tim Butts, Jayla Cruz, and Ron Story. Our studio engineer is Everaldo Gallimore, and our producer is Fran McNeil. So, let's get started with our first interview with Tramel Turner. Tim? Thanks so much, Jayla. Good evening, BDPA audience. It's our pleasure tonight to start you off with a series of wonderful guests. Our first guest this evening is Tramel Turner. Good evening, Tramel Turner. Tramel Turner is a senior IT professional with Nintendo in the Seattle area. 25 years ago, he was a member of the 1991 National BDPA High School Computer Competition. That is the championship team that was trained by BDPA Detroit. His team traveled to New York to compete in the HSBC Championship. We seek to honor his BDPA legacy by talking with him about his HSBC memory as well as his thoughts on BDPA and how things have progressed since that time, including Tramel and his wife recently deciding to become entrepreneurs as they purchased Poco Wine and Spirits. So out of the Seattle area, it's our pleasure to chat with Tramel Turner, and Tramel epitomizes the BDPA mantra of advancing careers of African Americans in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom. Radio listeners, I'm sure you and I will enjoy this conversation and listening to his story. So good evening. Good evening once again. How are you, Tramel? I'm doing very well, yourself. Excellent. Thank you. Are you in Seattle currently? Actually, I'm in Maui right now, so I hope the audience isn't uh, too upset with the fact that I'm not experiencing the rain but the sun at the present time. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a little time difference and a little temperature difference for some of our radio listeners, but that's a beautiful thing. Maui. So we truly have gone coast-to-coast, BDPA. We're coast-to-coast in the U.S. and worldwide on the radio. So tell me. You have such an interesting background we just read through. How did you first come to find out about BDPA, and what kept you engaged? How do we even have the conversation to have you on the radio with us tonight? Um, Great question. So back in the early 90s, I was finishing up high school, and I was typically captain of my high school computer programming team, if you can believe, even back in the early 90s. The the high school I went to in Detroit, Cass Technical High School, had – a computer programming team. I was brilliant. Head of, and one of the local uh, 
PA members came to explain to us what the HSBC was and what the uh, what the parameters around the, the computer programming competition at that time were, and they were basically looking for participants. And so a few of my team members and myself signed up, and somehow, I don't know how, I, uh, I made it through the early levels of competition and ended up on the 1991 team uh, with another colleague of mine, uh, high school colleague of mine, Camille Phillips. And Mel and I went and joined up with three others. I believe, actually, you guys are going to be interviewing Kobe in a couple of weeks, uh, yet another one of our team members. And we all uh, somehow found a way to gel uh, through the competition's practice sessions and uh, basically having the opportunity to, to just come together and build that, that sort of team camaraderie, if you will. And yeah. somehow we uh, we made it to nationals and we won. Uh, which That's is exceptional. A funny, yeah, a, fu- a funny thing about how we won though is that uh, there's the, the the Jeopardy portion of the competition where scored nine out of ten correct answers, okay. and then the actual development portion. And we actually we went through the development portion I think swimmingly, but our our program actually didn't work the way that we expected it to. There was a there was a bug in it that actually showed a feature that I don't think any other team had implemented. And by explaining, I, I somehow was the person that ended up being the one to, to present our uh, our results. By explaining how we had come to that conclusion and what the bug was and, and why the bug was present and what feature it was displaying, I, I think we okay. got somehow some extra points and we ultimately ended up winning. Yeah. That's tremendous. What a story. That is exceptional. And that type of situation coming through, having the rough edges and then rising to victory has definitely been a wonderful memory for you. As you mentioned, you even remember the name of your colleague from back then. And so being so far removed from that time, I like the fact that you said you jailed and your team came together. And in terms of BEPA and service in BEPA, how have you gelled and had accomplishments that have come from the kickoff, you know, coming from your roots in BDPA and then going into your career now? Yeah, so BDPA, because of us winning the competition, the uh, second ever job in, in the field that I had uh really came because of, of my experience there. So I, I had the prior summer uh, worked at the Department of Social Services for the city of Detroit as a, a data entry, uh, I guess at this at this point in time, we called it a, a junior programmer, but I was a data entry technician or something. And so that was my first job. But my first real job in the field came at uh, basically as a result of having been in the competition, meeting the, the folks in the Detroit, greater Detroit area, who were members of BDPA, and they hooked uh, basically myself and uh, the other members from the area up with uh, professionals who would be interested in, in hearing about whether or not we wanted to do internships or uh, wanted to explore other careers within the field. And so I was hooked up with EDS and ended up working at the Cadillac plant in Detroit for EDS 
Wow. Uh, that, that following summer, yeah, which was which was really incredible. Uh, I met a lot of really smart, really interesting folks. Um, got to actually do some hands-on work, and uh, mm-hmm. I was always a year ahead in high school, so I was I was literally 16 at the time, uh, finishing up okay. high school, on my way to university, and uh, having had that you know really really great experiences professional exposure to the field that I was, I was going to study uh, at the university of Pennsylvania. So uh, yeah, that that was, that was a really great introduction and connection to BDPA. And then uh, following going to university, you know, I I sort of fell into that, you know, I'm in college now. And so I'm going to do my college thing. Okay. So in terms of your work, in college, you transitioned from high school, and this has really built up a lot of roots as to what your career and your career responsibilities are. You mentioned UPenn, right? Tramel, are you there? Me back involved. Has gotten me back involved with uh, the, you know, trying to get the the BDPA Seattle uh, resurgence going, if you will. Okay. So that's that's where I've been for the last 25 years. <laughs> oh man, that's terrific. That is terrific. So UPenn, my son goes to UPenn Wharton now. So I'll make sure we make a connection on that later. And uh, <laughs> okay. tell me, go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just saying great. That's... Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. You're passionate about technology. You're passionate about educating and reaching back and giving people access to technology and enjoying it in their daily lives. I can tell from the company you work with, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a huge part of what I try and focus my time and attention on. And, you know, one thing I always tell either people I'm mentoring or even the folks that work for me, the one thing that people can never take from you is your education. So learn as much as you can. And, and do as much as you can in order to enhance, you know, what you know and, and what opportunities you can create for your, just the very fact that you're open to change, challenges, and exposing yourself to new things. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That is terrific. Love, this, love your story. If I'm going to think of one or two key things about the organization you work for now, what should I take away when I think of the word Nintendo, the company Nintendo? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we talk about as our sort of corporate mantra is that we exist to put smiles on people's faces. And so thing number one is that that's what Nintendo is all about, that regardless of the product or the service or the exposure that you're having to the organization, the idea is that, we're trying to leave you with that impression that you, you're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, and then for me personally, the other thing that I would take away from, from that brand as part of my own personal experience with the brand essence is the familial approach that we have to our product services and offerings that we, we care about uh, what the industry terms as our so-called blue ocean strategy that we try to cater to those from 2 to 92, that there's okay. a, a wide wide breadth of experiences available for all of those who might want to uh, experience what Nintendo has to offer. So be that a 
video game or clothing or uh, other entertainment options and choices that we may make available. In the press recently, it's been announced that we're going to be doing uh, collaboration with Universal Studios, so there will be a, a theme park with Nintendo wow. theme and branded characters. Um, and there are all sorts of exciting things that uh, I'm sure I can't talk about, but I am aware that are going to be coming soon that I think uh, will be very exciting for those who who are open to experiencing those things that Nintendo has offered. So those would be my two things, for sure. Clean smiles on people's faces. Oh, that's tremendous. And the fact that families yeah. are open to it. I'm smiling just talking about it. I recall when my boys were very young, we would oftentimes gather and play uh, Diddy Kong Racing and uh, a few other games back in Nintendo 64 days, and then we've watched yeah. it and enjoyed it as it's progressed all the way through GameCube and all the way up to present. So congratulations to Nintendo. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So in terms of growth of Nintendo and then your personal experiences, those are lessons learned. Those are growth experiences. In terms of those types of lessons learned, what types of lessons would you like to share in your wonderful IT career and experience with our BDPA iRadio audience? Yeah, you know, one of the things, again, I think that I mentioned it previously, but I'll say it again because it's truly important to me, being open to change and being flexible and being able to, to not see change as a challenge but yet another opportunity for an individual, for a team, for an organization to grow and to expand and to, to take advantage of that change, to exploit it for what you ultimately want to see happen, to have a vision, if you will, going into yet another point of where you ultimately want to see your yourself, your team, your organization go and to, to always keep that in mind and know that the the path to success is never a straight line. I know it's somewhat cliche to say this uh, in this day and age, but it's absolutely true that, you yeah. know, seeing the, the point where you ultimately want to be and knowing that that road can be winding and that you will have peaks and valleys and keeping in mind that regardless of that, as long as you keep your eye on the prize, you know, and yeah. you, yeah. you know, you, you ultimately you can gain that. And all the things that you learn, all of the the ups and downs, all of the things that might seem like uh, they're they're holding you back, but you're still learning along the way. As long as you keep those things in mind and you keep uh, a good toolbox of those things that uh, have helped move you along, because you're always going to progress, you're always going to keep moving forward, and you're always going to be able to, you know, take what you've learned in the past and use those tools to help build that bridge towards the future and the hope, hopefully and, and ultimately help you build towards that goal are, are the things that I've learned at least that have helped me and have sustained me as I've gone through my career, however so mm-hmm. brief it has been. I, I've been in this IT game now for, uh, geez, 21 years, and it's, yep. uh, it's something that, you know, still resonates with me today that I am absolutely hope change and I am open to understanding that the path to success is not necessarily a, a straight line and that I'm I'm willing to take those curves, those turns, those peaks and those valleys. And as long as I'm learning and as long as I'm growing and I'm progressing, I'm going to be happy. I love it. It's an excellent lesson for people to remember. Even as you're sharing with us, I can tell just from the experiences you've had, you're conveying and you're sharing it with us so well. You've been mentored, but you obviously have stayed grounded and you haven't, 
gotten too far out of knowing who you are or where you came from. Can you share a little bit about that with us? So, yeah, I mean, I mentioned uh, back at the beginning of the conversation that I'm from Detroit, uh, born and raised, and lived there until I was 16 when I graduated high school from Cass Technical High School, ran off to, uh, probably against my mother's better wishes because I had all kinds of scholarships from local universities, ran to the University of Pennsylvania uh, because I, I thought it would be the best place for me for whatever reason. And my parents, once I convinced myself that I was, going to do that. They were very supportive. Um, spent three years there. And I actually, hopefully this doesn't happen to, to your son, but <laughs> I actually dropped out of there <laughs> at 19 to go live okay. in Japan. Uh, uh-huh. I went to live and work in Japan for a little bit. Uh, Japanese was one of the majors that I had undertaken all of that time. And so I spoke the language, read the language. Um, living there, of course, being immersed in Japanese culture yeah. uh, helped me uh, become pretty fluent, and uh, I was able to come back, started the business uh, back in Michigan, sold that business after a little bit of time, and then worked around uh, a few what we now call uh, maybe interactive media or web development companies. At that time, they they had all kinds of different names, but that's essentially what I was doing, and found my way to Volkswagen. And so I worked at Volkswagen uh, initially in marketing. And okay. uh, spent 10 years in in that organization, the automotive industry, which was something that I never really envisioned for myself. Even though I was from Detroit, I was more of a high-tech guy. Uh-huh. But uh, went the first couple of years in Volkswagen, again, in marketing. And then after that, ended up in IT, working on ERP systems and then consumer-facing technologies and all sorts of fun and interesting things. Uh, eventually... Uh, I left Volkswagen and went to Nissan and worked at Nissan as a, an account director for an advertising agency for a little while before Nintendo okay. came calling and uh, okay. asked me if I'd like to come out to Seattle. And so that's how I ended up five years ago now, uh, moving to Hi. Seattle to to experience you know what I'm experiencing now in the wonderful world of Nintendo. Excellent. You have such a wonderful array of experiences that you've been able to bundle and then been able to be nimble as the experiences have been occurring. A person who's going through their career, a person who's even going through their education right now, I think that you've provided a great reminder and a great toolkit for people to remember. Even though the road seems a little windy, keep your eye on the prize because different experiences can still progress you in your life and in your career. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned one thing that I would underscore yet again, that I I didn't do it alone, right? I had mentors. I had folks that helped me. Uh, Sometimes I had to seek out that help, I'll be honest. Uh, And sometimes that help came uh, with, you know, the the support and the, I think, expectation that I would hopefully take advantage of that support and use it to, to help move myself forward. But uh, absolutely, I think mentors are are important, and it's something that I think, uh, as I look at, you know, bringing it back to to BDPA, uh, what the yeah. potential future of BDPA is. There are a lot of our, yep. our you know, if, if you'll pardon the <laughs> the explicit nature of the, the phrase, our brothers and sisters out there who need those mentors because they they oh, don't yeah. they look around probably in their organizations just like I do, and they, and they don't see them, yeah. and they're wondering, you know 
who can I reach out to? But there's, you know, there's LinkedIn, there's all sorts of social media, there's all sorts of ways to, to reach out and, and find that connection, that person that's yeah. going to be someone that you can talk to and that you can confide in, that you can ask questions to. I'm one of those people, and I'm absolutely open to helping folks who, who require that because we all need it. We all need somebody that we can uh, depend upon and ask questions to and, and get good, solid advice so that we know how to handle those winding roads that I was alluding to earlier as they come in, and they will come. That's exceptional, and that has to be our final word, and that's an excellent way for us to wrap up. Listeners, you heard him say it. He and others like him are here for you. Reach out, develop mentoring relationships, because it's not about who somebody is. It's about where you're going, where they're going, and we can all move forward together. That's the mission of our organization, to move forward in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom, and we can make a real movement of this together. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight, and we now have to transition to a word from our sponsor. BDPA is the premier organization for people of African-American descent in the information technology industry. BDPA exists to advance the careers of African-Americans in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom. You can find BDPA on group site, Twitter, and Facebook. Hello, and welcome back to BDPA Our Radio Show. Our next guest is Carol Heiberger. Carol, how are you? Okay. So let's start out first with reading her bio. The language of business can be confusing and frustrating. So the ebook, Business is Another Language, by Carol Heiberger, concentrates on how business people learn the complex and necessary subject-specific language jargon slash slang of business. Carol will reveal the process by which we learn the language of business and why it's so complex and necessary. Her knowledge will be of specific interest to our audience because of the topic's connection to IT, human resources, management, and leadership. Carol Heiberger has done extensive research on language acquisition, neuroscience, and linguistic principles to uncover useful and practical insights for the business community. She is the founder of ExecuSpeak Dictionary, a collection of 21st century products and services for employees and customers. The book and services are the result of Carol's career experience, including an MBA from Wharton and leadership positions with large multinationals, consulting products with large and small businesses, and teaching MBA students, executives, and adults. So with that bio, Let's get started with our first question. Carol, how did you first find out about BDPA and what has kept you involved? Okay, I've only just recently found out about BDPA. My good friend Tim Butts, who may or may not be on this call, um, introduced me to uh, the organization and thought that we would be a good match. Excellent. And I said, okay. So what was it that sparked your interest about BDPA? When it comes to the use of the English language and subject-specific lingo and words, it, it, the, the IT people are always considered to be the worst. They have their own language. They talk to each other in code. And 
what I've got in terms of a message is to say that what they're doing is actually very normal, uh, that there's actually a, um, a term in the world of the linguistics professionals called a discourse community. And a discourse community is a group of people who have developed a verbal and written shorthand in order to communicate quickly and precisely in order to get something done. So not only does that just sound like a workplace, but it's actually the rationale and the reason for why IT people are completely difficult to understand. <laughs> so because they're thoughts? talking to each other in verbal shorthand. Yes. Right, right, and it's definitely understandable. So what are some things that uh, IPP personnel should consider uh, when communicating with other individuals from other communities or in other roles or positions within the company? I think they have to just kind of stop for a second when they start, before they start talking, to figure out if somebody is a part of their discourse community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we figure that out when we're talking, when we meet somebody new and we say, well, what city are you from? And then we, we say, well, if you're from Philly, do you know about the Eagle? Do you know about the Eagles? Um, when you're in a particular industry, you're kind of, you know, checking out the language. And what happens is a lot of times when people start talking in that verbal shorthand, before they know whether or not other people understand them, they they kind of go off into, you know, some other realm of conversation and no one's following them. So they, the first thing is to double check. The, the second mm. thing to remember is that when using when when you're the the person who's hearing the language that you don't understand a lot of times people seem to move into their 13-year-old being which is like oh they they are trying to make me feel stupid or they're trying to talk around me they don't want me to understand and and really they just forgot to think and so they're not excluding and they're not trying to make you feel stupid. They're they're just in a different discourse community. Ah, I understand. Okay. So yeah. what was the motivation for you to found the Executive Dictionary? What was the motivation? One yeah. day I just realized I could. So there's that. Um well I I realized that the cell phone, the smartphone, in everyone's pocket was incredibly powerful technology. Mm -hmm. And when people were using it to look up words, they would find themselves, you know, basically looking at a tiny little screen and, and tapping out letters and then getting stuck in Google and and not finding what they wanted to find. And I know that when I would do that, if I was doing it with somebody conversationally and we were playing in the and Googling together, then it was a bonding moment. But if I was listening to someone talk and I was trying to understand what they had to say, the, the end result of trying to Google the term 
is that I got lost in Google and I completely lost the conversation. Hmm. Hmm. And so I envisioned a way of just going, tapping into a, a Google app and just not a, a smartphone app, and then just doing a quick tap, tap, tap in order to get to the very subject-specific definition that kept me in the conversation instead of excluded me or sent me mm-hmm. off down the rabbit hole so that I completely lost the conversation. So it was very much designed so that I could really, so that a user of the app could, you know, be really involved in a conversation with somebody else or listening to somebody else and then just doing a quick tap, tap, tap in order to refresh their memory or get the feel of the meaning in order to be a part of what they really were interested in being a part of. Wow, that's that making really, sense? Yes, it seems like an excellent and valuable piece of technology. What is it that um why why are you so passionate about technology? Oh my god, I don't know. Um I got brought up my my career was in technology. Mm-hmm. It's just been around me all the time. It has value. Mm-hmm. I learned how to this is going to date me. But I learned my first language was Fortran, and that was too difficult. You had to teach the machine how to add before it would add for you. Then I had to learn APL, which was better. Then I had to learn DOS, and that was really complicated because you had to learn all of these codes before you could get anything done. Mm And then I got a Mac, at which point I was off and flying. So I've been uh, Mac and computer dependent since uh, we're going on three or four decades now. Mm -hmm. It's always just been a part of my life. It's been essential to my career. You can't function without it. Right. What type of obstacles or challenges did you have to overcome while uh, working on developing ExecuSpeak? Every step of the way was an obstacle and a challenge, all right? Before I could uh, turn it into an app, I had to actually write the a book. I had to write, uh, so the original app is over 500 terms. And with definition and usage, plain English used in a sentence, easy to understand. So the first thing I had to do was write the book. So that was challenge number one. Uh, Challenge number two is to find the people who would write and put the app together. Because even though I designed the app, um, I didn't want to be the one to do the coding. I had learned all of these computer languages in the past, but I wasn't interested in spending my time learning computer language now because I had a different agenda. Uh, Then uh, we had to replicate. So I considered it to be first ideate. Okay, that's the idea. Uh, Second was to create it. Then I had to replicate it. So I have two additional apps. The original ExecuSpeak Dictionary, which is over 500 terms, is really perfect for the phrase associated from the classroom to the boardroom. Because it would really 
Oh, okay. Um, it would really be incredibly helpful for anyone in the IT industry to help them move to the next stage of their career, wherever it may be. Because some of these terms are so classic uh, that they're just basic business uh, analysis, paralysis, uh, cost-benefit analysis, um, what's the difference between net income and gross income, all these kinds of things that are just important at different stages of the career. Yes, what two lessons would you like to share with the BDPA iRadio audience? Okay, so the first lesson is that it takes 7 to 20 repetitions of a new word or phrase to make it your own. And so a repetition is not about looking at a flashcard 20 times. A repetition is a variation on the theme of reading, writing, speaking, and listening, and having different contexts, uh, different tenses, different ways that a word is being used, but it's also essential to sleep on it. So you can't learn new words and new phrases in one day. It takes a couple of days. And once you recognize that it takes a couple of days, it puts you at ease, it should put you at ease to realize that, oh, this is a process. And I'm human. And so if I just relax and I hear these words again and again, then eventually they'll become mine and I can become a part of the discourse community. And the second lesson is about the concept of the phrase discourse community, that it's a lot easier if you think in terms of groups of people. You're a part of the discourse community of your family. You're a part of the discourse community of your friends or your clubs or your social groups. You're a part of the discourse community of your corporation, but you're also a part of the discourse community of the small work group that you are functioning in on a daily basis. And when you think in terms of discourse community, it's a kind of generic term, but it takes away that 13-year-old, nobody loves me, they're talking around me, they're trying to make me feel stupid, that kind of attitude that people uh, uh, throw onto themselves. Um, so that's the second lesson, is just realize it's it's a part of the learning process, and we've actually uncovered the formula that just says it's okay, 7 to 20 repetitions, you'll get there. Patience. Those Excellent. are my two lessons. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, how do you think or what do you think is going to be the correlation between what you do as far as your current position and responsibilities to tie mm -hmm. it into the BDPA organization? Well, for starters, I'd like to make sure that everybody knows that everything I've been talking about today is available as a 5,000-word ebook that they can just go grab. So if they go to nomorebuzzwordbingo.com, they'll see a link, nomorebuzzwordbingo.com. 
I mean, you can go to executivespeakdictionary.com slash tour, but on the theory that people are listening and not writing everything down and seeing it, there's also a no more buzzword bingo. <laughs> but part of my mantra is you either learn the lingo or you'll be faded to playing buzzword bingo. You either learn it or you'll you'll never have movement in your career if you just so that's the no more buzzword bingo dot com at which point everyone can read for themselves a lot of the things that I've been talking about this evening well, that's awesome that sounds so great so in the remaining moment um would you mm-hmm. like to share the websites again, the title of your ebook um and a final message for the iRadio audience sure. All right, so the website is www.execuspeakdictionary.com, E-X-E-C-U, speakdictionary.com. If you go to the book tour website, executivespeakdictionary.com slash tour, you'll see all of the other guest blog posts that I'm doing. Uh, If you go to the website, you'll be able to see that there are three apps at the iTunes store, uh, the physical books are in paper. They're available um, at what I'm calling uh, Black Friday pricing under $10 this week because of the book tour. And then there, everything is also available via ebook for, I think, $0.99. Cents, uh, because th- these are the words that will help you move your career forward. You don't need nice. to use all of them all the time, but one by one you'll start bringing them in and it will expand uh, your mind, it will expand your knowledge, and it will expand the conversations in which you can be a part. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carol, for being You're a welcome. guest on the show today. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Sure. And now we'll get into our third guest, Andreas Robinson, with co-host Ron Story. But first, we will take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA iRadio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation and the Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcasts the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on blogtalkradio.com backslash BDPA. Good evening. Hi, this is Ronald Story, and I'm here this evening on GPAI Radio with Andreas Robinson. Andreas, how are you Hello. this evening? I'm doing great. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. And, uh, awesome. can you, Andreas, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from L.A. L.A., okay. You're out on the West a, Coast. Yes, sir. Right. The weather's still nice out here. 
Okay. So, and, uh, how, how is that weather there? Oh, it's beautiful. I'm from <laughs> Chicago, so anything anything above 30 degrees right now is perfect to me. You, you say that right, yeah. I, I, I hail from the uh, Allegheny Mountains part of western Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I agree with you on that. I, I happen to be hailing in this evening from Orlando, Florida. So nice. uh, it's gotten a little chilly here, but they, they they're complaining about fifty degrees is too cold to go to school with flip flops. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely. Your voice sounds familiar. I I, I feel like we've met before. Uh, it may it may have occurred. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's interesting. what I'd like to do is to introduce our audience um, to you by reading a little bit about your your bio. And uh, okay. we'll share that, and then we'll get into the conversation. All right, sounds awesome. Okay, hold tight for a moment. I'll bring a page back up for me. Add it up a moment ago. Okay. Today we would like to introduce you to a national champion in a Jesse Bimley scholar, Andreas Robinson, trained by the BDPA Chicago chapter won the national championship in 2006. Andreas earned a bronze medal for his efforts at the National High School Computer Competition held in 2007. Soon, we will celebrate the 10th anniversary of the High School Computer Competition Championship that he won in that would be in Los Angeles at the, the 2006 National Conference that was won in Los Angeles, excuse me, at the 2006 National Conference. Andreas had a number of internships while he was at, in BDPA, including Allstate, Seaman, and his dad's architectural company. His professional career provided him with work as a developer and architect. His core responsibilities include designing distributed cloud architecture and developing the technical foundation for the enterprise. Andreas has great leadership and motivation motivator skills. He's a team player, often called on to mentor and issue tasks to junior developers. He attended the University of Illinois, and he is now living on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Our BDPA iRadio show audience will enjoy Andreas' reflections on his BDPA experiences and how they have helped him in his college and career choices over the past 10 years. So, Andreas, how did you first find out about BDPA, and what has kept you involved? Well, um, what first brought me to BDPA was my mom was always more motivated to do things for me than I was for myself at a younger age. She would always try to find very interesting programs to get her children involved in and to essentially keep us out of trouble and actually, you know, take advantage of our natural talents and develop those. And one day she came across BBTA, and it just sounded like the perfect organization for an inner-city youth in Chicago. Um, I've always been interested in engineers from the time I was uh, like six years old. I used to play with my mom's rollers and put them together and make little, like, choo-choo trains and try to make different machines. And from there, I upgraded to Legos and Connects and construction toys. So I've always been very, very interested in engineering, and in my sophomore year in high school is when I really started getting involved in computer science. And so BDPA came along and really just helped me develop um, and gave me an even further introduction into this world I've made a over 10-year career out of. Oh, great. 
And share with our audience, how did your father's influence as an architect help um, help um, add to your experience and your career? Yes, okay. So my father, uh, very much like me, uh, he went down the road of uh, architecture, but the same kind of creative mind, the hunger to, to build something. And that's kind of where the engineer mindset comes from is the desire to, to create and build something and basically present it to the world. And with my, with my dad's experience as an, architect, as an architect, it kind of introduced me to the world and said, wow, that's, I really like that, you know, that aspect of creation. I feel like I wanted to go more so the route with computer science. So, but it gave oh. me that 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 um that developer's mindset. And as a IT professional, you know, there's there's different things that you can do. You can you can test applications, you can develop applications, and you can design. And the architecture mindset that runs in my blood is what kind of urged me to move from being a strictly developer role to start looking into architecture and actually designing systems versus just developing for another architect. Mm-hmm. Now, that's awesome because one of the reasons I shared that question with our audience is that as as I speak to, to guests relative to their career and their interest and what enabled them to develop their professionalism in, in IT and those influences, um, architects, we hear it in, in computing, but to really have someone to speak about how that how that actually panned out it's amazing, and I just wanted to share how that influence has, has helped you to um, guide you in your career, but more importantly, to see another area of of professionalism in the sense of architecture and the influence of your dad and how that actually maps over into architecture and computing. Uh, in yeah. terms of your service to BDPA, what accomplishment are you most proud of? Uh, I, I apologize. Could you repeat the first part of the question? In terms of your service to BDPA, what accomplishments are you most proud of? Well, I would definitely have to say uh, becoming the national BDPA champion in 2006 is definitely an achievement we were very proud of and for the HSBC uh, competition. The computer competition? Yes. Sir. Um, so, what was the team that you were on? How did that come about? The The team? Oh yeah, so we uh we started you know uh, training in Chicago. Uh, the the way the Chicago chapter is is uh, we're incredibly competitive. So uh, mm-hmm. it kind of starts off with uh, students who are both learning all learning the same curriculum, and then students that kind of have a a really keen interest and desire to kind of move their the skills forward and develop further. Uh, kind of come together and we, we created a team for the HSCC competition. And we trained extensively for six months. We learned all about the BDPA history. Uh, we learned about how to put together a computer. And uh, we learned about software. We learned about uh, testing. We learned about database applications. And we basically took our knowledge and pulled it together. And we trained for that you know, at number one spot in um, in Los Angeles, and we were just blessed to have been able to come together and pull together as a team. We worked really, really well. It was like, you know, so like the uh, it's like a Michael Jordan. We had our Michael Jordan. We had our Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman. You know, everybody just came together and we, we played awesome. 
<laughs> the awesome team. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so with that, um, that has led you through um, um, making a career choice in IT, uh, pursuing yeah. it in, in, in college and undergrad. Tell us more about your current position and responsibilities. So I am very, very much um, intrigued by the startup world. For the last few years, I've been working for various different startups and basically helping them develop their um, infrastructure um, from the ground up sometimes, and then other times I would go in um, to a team that had already began development and kind of help them continue the development, offer insight um, as far as how they can expand or scale their business uh, based off mm-hmm. of some of the other experiences I've had um, and things of that nature. And currently what I'm, I'm actually working for an in-house health provider uh, called Hill. We're essentially an Uber for doctors. With just a request from the app in, um, on your phone, you can request a doctor to your door. And you can request a doctor in as little as an hour. So imagine a day where you're in L.A., Chicago, or any major city traffic. You have sick children and you just got off work, and you can't make it to the hospital. Maybe you have one kid that you have to take care of and another child who desperately needs to go to the hospital to get checked up. This child is sick with the flu, and you just can't make it. Using here, you can order a doctor directly to your door and we'll come assist you, take care of you, and he will provide the same level of health care that you would get from your primary health care provider. Mm-hmm. So really, um, our, our dream is to re- revitalize the health care industry, and with the advent of Obamacare, um, we, uh, there's, there's been essentially an influx of a lot of new patients that previously didn't have health care and now have access to health care because of this amazing act. And our, but what that meant is that there are so many new patients without the infrastructure from hospitals who actually handle all these new patients. And this was like a perfect opportunity for companies like ours to come in and not only offload some of that uh, traffic from, you know, a traditional hospital, but also provide a more convenience to the actual in uh, clients as well. Okay. So we, awesome. we take a lot of pride in what we do. And prior to this, I was actually working for a um, company involved in the entertainment industry where our goal was to uh, basically provide a service for independent artists to help promote themselves online. And whether you were a, a ballet dancer, a singer, songwriter, um, screenplay writer, whatever it was, you know, a lot of times the process is to try to find another company that can help promote you or, you know, possibly somebody, maybe if you had a friend in the entertainment industry. But basically this is an industry with a humongous barrier to entry. And our goal as, as a company was to actually provide a way for, you know, your, your average person to expose themselves and make a career without necessarily having to, to see, um, you know, go mainstream. Mm-hmm. Who oh, was? Oh, that's the uh, that's Indie Build, correct? That was yes, that was Indie Build. So, so, so walk me through that. Say, right. for instance, um, I'm a comedian, and yes. I'm just you know I'm sharpening my chops. Um, I've been able to do some of the uh, clubs um, and venues in the Chicago area. Now I'm looking at Detroit. Um, how would that type of application help to get me exposure? Well, it depends. I, I first have to hear a joke from you to see if, you know, you, you might have a future career in uh, comedy or not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny because I don't have any jokes for you to see. 
Well, if you, <laughs> well, if you look at how – look at the current situation, right? Currently mm-hmm. what artists would have to do if I were, if I were a comedian, so what I would do first is I would probably report myself doing some material. Or what a lot of people are doing now is they'll go to Vine and they'll make a funny video or post it to Vine or YouTube or things of this nature. But these these uh, these social media outlets were always ways to expose the media themselves and not necessarily bring that attention back to the artist who produced it in the first place. There are different things that you can do where you can follow somebody on the media and maybe you can add them to the friend if it's on Adam as a friend if it's on Facebook. But it's not really a way. These these platforms never really do both exposure of the media itself and exposure of that artist. So our platform basically brought that attention more so black to the artists, and we created different ways for you to search for various artists that, say, for instance, you were a connoisseur um, of underground entertainment or somebody that was just looking for something new. We created creative ways to fine-tune your search and find a specific artist or content that you were looking for and also ways to compare the different artists that you're viewing as well. So you might be looking for some very, very specific type of comedian to, let's say, perform at your wedding, and you wanted to know what other people thought about this comedian um, versus, you know, um, how well they perform, do they respond to their emails on time, how long have they been performing, how serious are they about their art, how passionate they are. It's a really a nice way to kind of start that whole networking process. So whether you were somebody just simply looking to somebody to perform at a wedding that may, might have been local in your area, but or if you were somebody, let's say, for instance, you're a producer or somebody that um, you're creating a new movie and you want somebody to either act in your movie or maybe a singer to play in your movie, you can kind of go to that person, look at their body of work, see what other people have thought about them, see other people that they've worked with in the past, and decide whether or not you want to continue forward with this person. And on the flip side, as an artist, find different people that you want to work with as well. And we have tools that can actually help develop your career and help you blossom as an individual as well. So that was the kind of in a nutshell the, the dream of any bill. Okay. Well great. So you mentioned tools, um in, in that. In in your responsibilities and involvement with building uh and contribute and contributions to that type that development, uh what what skills did you bring to the table or in terms what tools did you bring to the table to help so, um Indie Build to, to, to grow their their brand? I came into Indie Build from the ground up. There was essentially nothing done as far mm-hmm. as the uh IT development went. And so I built the complete infrastructure of Indie Build, um, deployed it to the cloud. because um, originally we had built a prototype that was just hosted locally. And very soon we understood that this was a platform that could go big very quickly. So that's when, uh, since I made the decision to move to the cloud so that we can essentially scale our business at a moment's notice. Um, mm-hmm. So I was basically I helped the company develop everything from their IT perspective, from networking to development, recruiting, uh, financial projections of how much the, you know, how much the equipment would cost and how much a service would cost and the actual macro and my, um, uh, the macro and micro uh, development architecture of the system itself as well. Okay. And I did um, both a lot of the front-end development, back-end development, database development, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
it, it was a lot. You know, working for a startup company is a very, very different experience because you essentially have to wear multiple hats a lot of times. You know, you're going to Correct. a company. Yeah, you're going to a company that has a very awesome idea, but a lot of startups are very understaffed. So going into a startup, you have to understand what you're getting yourself into because you're going to have to work a little harder, but the rewards are going to pay off a lot more because you'll have an integral piece in that company, whereas with a major corporation, you might work for that corporation for 20 years, and maybe after two years, you might become a, um, a vice president of that company, hopefully. You know, with the startup, you're kind of guaranteeing yourself to have a much, much stronger stake in that company if it's something that you're truly passionate about. Okay, now you mentioned earlier, because you, you touched on startups, that that's one of your areas of interest. Tell us more about why you are passionate about technology. Why am I passionate about technology? Yes. Because I'm a nerd. That's, this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what I do. I'm, I've, I've been very much in love with technology since, like I said before, I was a child. It started off with Lego. You know, okay. I don't. Okay. I don't have any children now, knock on wood, but um, when, one of these days um, when I'm blessed to have some children, the very first thing I'm going to get them started with is just developing that engineering mindset early because the earlier you can develop as a child, once you have that, it's hard to get rid of. No matter what situation you become, you know, encounter with, no matter what you come across, you know, you're always going to have that engineering mindset and whether it's whether you go to computer science or civil engineering or mechanical engineering or whether you become a doctor, whatever it may, whatever it may be, you always have that desire to create something and build it. And, you know, there won't be anything in this world that can stop you from achieving your passion. And that's why I really appreciate my parents for, you know, getting me involved, you know, um, with the sciences from an early age. And that's what's giving me my passion. Mm-hmm. No, that's excellent because you did. You, you spoke about you know, appreciating your parents and identifying um, those areas of interest that you had, and then help you to to hone in on those. I mean, like you said, something as simple as as Legos. Um, yeah. That that you know, some of us look at simple, but then again, Legos have been. You know, I see some of the creations with uh, people, you know, using Legos and building masterpieces, and how that impacts a person's career decisions going forward. Uh, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're so, like our generation now. We want to throw TV and you know video games in front of you know uh, you know in front of children and even young adults, which is which is fine. Entertainment is you know okay within its own right, but you have to also balance it out. You have to challenge your mind, you know, continuously. Even now, I like to see things, you know, brain teasers and things of that nature that continuously challenge me. To, to think harder, to, you know, develop that part of my brain, you know, that strives for, for learning and knowledge and to constantly develop it. If you don't use that side of your brain, you're going you're gonna to forget it. You're gonna, it's going to become dull. You're going to get tired of it. You're going to, you know, seek after something easy. But if you constantly challenge yourself, you're always, you're always going to be excited by learning and creating and experimenting with it. Awesome. Now, the time is just just taken off for our conversation. In in our remaining minutes, please do please share with our audience one final thought. Uh, let's look at it as one final thought or a lesson that you would like to share with our BBTI radio audience. Any final thought? Yes. Hmm. 
you, you kind of put me on the spot with this because I can I can go on for days with a couple of final thoughts, but uh, I might just uh, throw some something at you. Uh, so number one, you know, um, if you have if you're very passionate about something, no matter what comes your way, as long as you're determined to achieve it, you'll always figure out a way to make your goals become a reality. As long as you have that mindset. Uh, number two. Uh, don't underappreciate entrepreneurship. This is the perfect time right now in, uh, in our society to start thinking about new ideas and creating things, especially with computer science. It's just like a, another uh, industrial revolution for the cyber, uh, cyber age. There's a lot of very interesting things happening right now, and I encourage you to do your research, go on YouTube, find technical blogs that you're interested in, look into cloud technology, uh, big data, of that nature, and really research it because there's some very, very interesting things being uh, developed right now. Um, always continue your education, uh, no matter what it is. Um, at a younger age, I actually had some um, some 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 issues with uh, going to school right away, and so one of one of the things I did was I just continuously kept teaching myself, and a lot of the skill sets and things that I do nowadays are um, things that I've learned from teaching myself or finding a book or finding a mentor or finding somebody that can always challenge your mind and help you think about and learn new things. So those three things I'm going to leave you guys with now, and then, like I said, I can I can go on for days. Okay, Andre, I'd like to thank you for sharing with our audience that passion and determination to achieve your goal and as well as sharing with the audience to keep focused on entrepreneurship and that it is an ideal time to look at that. So, again, I'd like to thank you uh, for coming on as our guest this evening. And uh, and you just have a blessed evening, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Talk to you. up this segment of BDPAI Radio, and we'll leave you with Mark Fonk. Join the evolution of IT and embrace the digital future at the 37th Annual National BDPA Technology Conference and Free Career Fair at the Washington Hilton Hotel, located at 1919 Connecticut Avenue, Northwest Washington, D.C., from August 18th to 22nd. BDPA is the largest African-American information technology association in the U.S., involved in training professionals and students in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math. For the past 36 years, BDPA conferences have provided opportunities for innovators like you to get the knowledge and resources that are critical to stay on top. So please, from August 18th to 22nd, you too can join the evolution of IT and embrace the digital future. For more information on BDPA's National Conference and Free Career Fair, please visit www.bdpa.org. Very inspiring and informative interview. Special thanks to our Tuesday, January 12, 2016 guests, Tramel Turner, Senior Manager, IT Solutions for Nintendo, Carol Heiberger, MBA, founder and CEO and author of the Zucky Speak Dictionary, and Andreas Robinson, senior developer. Thank you to our co
co-hosts, myself, Taylor Cruz, Tim Butts, and Ron Story. Thank you to our studio engineer, Everaldo Gallimore. Thank you to our producer, Fran McNeil. Extra appreciation to Mr. Wayne Hicks, Executive Director of the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the BDPA iRadio. I'm Jayla Cruz, inviting you to listen in the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our next show airs Tuesday, January 26, 2016. Join us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA iRadio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil, sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, and the Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcast the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on blogtalkradio.com backslash BDPA.